This episode of the Speech Science Podcast was brought to you by Presence Learning. If you're considering a career in teletherapy, you need a therapy platform built specifically to deliver therapy and assessments remotely. Exactly. Therapy Essentials, which includes the Presence Learning Therapy Platform, is so much more than your average video conferencing tool. It was designed by clinicians for clinicians specifically to deliver therapy and assessments online. The Presence Learning Platform features a content library full of games and activities sortable by age and interest to personalize your therapy and keep your clients engaged. And don't forget speech language assessments from top publishers. For more information and to start your free trial, go to PresenceLearning.com and then click on Our Platform. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the the policy policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please Please contact contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we belong. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 162. I'm Matt Hott, a speech and language pathologist located in the schools and in home health care working with dementia and stroke rehab. Joined from Florida, the PTSD SLP herself, Rachel Archambault. Welcome, Rachel. Howdy. Howdy. Hey, and speaking of howdy, <laughs> our pediatric expert down in the great state of Texas, home of Smokey and the Bandit, it's Michelle Wintering. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. I miss you guys. We took Hi, off. We took off last week because personally... Uh, the night that we were going to record, or was it the next night, I took my son to the emergency room, and my mm. wife told me I should have taken him to the urgent care. Everyone's fine now. Uh, we've got a wonderful case of the flu bee running rampant through the house, and I'm fine. My wife is negative but sick. Our daughter is positive. Our middle son is positive, And my oldest son is super mad because he's got no symptoms like uh, myself and he gets to go to school while everyone else has been home for a week straight. So he is Aww. super mad about that. Oh, poor Mikey. Yeah. But also it was a holiday weekend. So I'm actually kind of really glad that we got to take off. So that way we could all focus on our families during the holiday. So you at home, I hope you had a great holiday on today's show. We are going to talk about the use of scare tactics to get people to get into therapy. We're also going to look at what is going on with ASHA in the state of Texas, a new study linking uh, concussions and vestibular and sound, uh, uh, I'm sorry, sound production and sound, what is it they say, sound processing problems. So we'll look at that as well, as well as our shout out and due process. 
but we always want to hear from you. Make sure you head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com, and you can email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. All right, so I asked all three of us to give a number before we started the show, and this is going to be the question I ask you before you get to chime in to see how your weeks have been. Are you guys okay with that, Michelle and Rachel? Sure. Let's do it. All right. All right. If you could know three stats about any person you looked at, what three stats would you want to know? <laughs> so, like, have you ever seen Jumanji where they touch their shoulder and it says, like, they're really good at maps and languages and they're allergic to cake? Like, <laughs> what, th <laughs> what three things would you want to know about people? And here's what I would want to know while you guys are thinking. Okay. I would want to know how good of a liar they are. <laughs> I would like to know how good of a tipper they are. And I would like to know how good of a driver they are. Because Everything I'm not going to lie, those are the three things right. I judge people on. What'd you say, Michelle? Everything is how good of a are they? Well, I mean, how good of a how or how bad, bad of, a, of a liar. Yeah, how yeah. bad of a liar, how bad of a tipper, how bad of a driver. I was trying to word it positive. I've been writing too many IEPs and ETRs. Trying to write positive. Hmm. So I while you, you guys think, what do you think? You picked some good stats, I think. Yeah. I just view it as, did you ever play The Sims? Yes. Like, you know how that little like diamonds above their head and it would be like friend points. Like I walk through life. No, kind of wondering if people are my friend or not. That's, oh. that's a, would, would we be friends? <laughs> would we be? Friends? Yes. Yeah. Are we are we friends? I think we're friends. Um, so I would like to see that or like when there actually is an argument, because I'm the first to be like, are you mad at me? So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. on The Sims, how it would be like that mad face yeah. or sad face like that would be so helpful <laughs> to me to, um, I think, neurodiverse people. I think that would be helpful for everyone. I uh, my thought went to kind of what you said. I wasn't thinking the Sims, Rachel, but something that I could know. I don't want to say mood ring, but if there was a way to be like mm -hmm. almost like the uh, that's a good the one. character in Encanto mm -hmm. um, with the rain cloud, like you know yes. how she's feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but some way to know, like, is something going on in their life I should know about? How should I interact with this person? And then I always like to ask people because, um, especially with moving around a lot there's times I'm working times I haven't been um that's sometimes the question of like oh what do you do like what's your job has become stressful because if I'm in a period of looking for a job or mm -hmm. just a kid or something else and um so I've really started to be a little more conscious of asking people um hey tell me something uh, most people don't know about you. <laughs> like, so I would want to know kind of what, what their answer to that would be. Like, what is, what instrument do they play? What's their favorite book? Like something unique about them that, um, somebody else might not know. Um, so that's like two. That. Let me think of another one. <laughs> and Rachel, you mentioned the Sims and I want you to know that mm -hmm. I would never build a swimming pool, let you jump into the swimming pool and then remove the ladder. I would Did never do, do that, that to you. And I would also never like have you walk into a room and then wall it off and pretend that you never existed. I never did that, but I did always use the cheat code. It was rosebud or something yes, with a little rosebud. semicolon, right? So I would I would build these multi-million dollar houses. <laughs> oh yeah, I was a serial killer in the Sims. Uh, I murdered oh, almost all you my would. neighbors. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
See, I was just building houses. <laughs> That's all I did. No, I, I think I uh, have the old, old school, like on the computer. Yeah. Um, Sim City game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sim City. See, yeah. my wife is in the other room, so I'm okay if she hears this. I would make my Sim invite the couples over, and then the the guy would like murder the husband, and then like try what to are you marry doing? the wife. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, yeah, the Sim City. I would just build a whole city made out of nothing but like train tracks or something <laughs> uh you know where there are no roads there was just train tracks that is so funny so any other stats you would want to know about somebody i would like to know people's intentions Ooh, good <laughs> yeah is this a, is yeah go i was gonna say i t i teach that in uh, my pragmatic group for some of my my students i'm like hey why let's learn about why people are talking to us are they talking to us to be friends or are they being friendly because they want us to sign up for a credit card at 85 percent interest rate so i That's love a good that. point knowing an intention yeah I'm like thinking that. from a dating perspective, well, but yeah, you go true. ahead with that. that. Absolutely. <laughs> I was Their keeping it PG, Rachel. Are significant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other like stats that. you guys want to know? No, I got them all. You got them all? <laughs> um, I would love to know. I just find it interesting. Like, where, where have they lived? Where are they from? Okay. They're like history. Okay. I like just, that. I would say, where have you lived or traveled to? I always I think love that. It adds to people mm -hmm. experience let, and perspective let us know what three stats you would like to know about somebody and a stat that we want to recognize marissa who has been a longtime listener of the show congrats on getting your triple c's girl congratulations yay go she's marissa. over in our discord are you in our discord head over to discord.speechsciencepodcast.com and on there, maybe Rachel will share pictures of her hanging out with the greatest minor league baseball team in America. How was that? Maybe I will. I had the greatest time. Um, I would say, now I'm not good at math, but I think it was 10% baseball and 110% like chaos. Um, it was their own baseball rules. There was no bunting allowed. Um, they both captains of the team before the game stood on home plate and they bought, brought out an old scale and weighed them. They're like from the party animals weighing 230 pounds. I love it. Captain over here. And then they like faced off like they were in MMA fight, like pre show thing. And then they ended up country music dancing. I got silly stringed by like the hype man because I was on my phone for two seconds. My friend left to go get drinks I was by myself. I answered my phone and I hear, excuse me, miss. And I look up <laughs> and just like a continuous two minute spray of blue silly string all over me, all over my new white Savannah bananas hat. Um, I had a great time. I highly recommend if you are able to see the Savannah bananas, everyone go. It was such a fun time. That's great. I saw on TikTok Jake Peavy, who has won a Cy Young in Major League Baseball, played the first inning for the bananas using the Cy Young award, which is a gold painted baseball glove as his glove. So it was during the game that I went to, which was in West Palm beach. Um, Johnny bench, who is a hall Ooh, of famer, a very, yeah. very like before my time, Greatest obviously, but when I've told time. him, yeah, I've, I've told him about, or I've told people about him and they're like, Johnny bench was just like, 
sitting in the stands and and playing the game and he can hold seven baseballs in his hand and he looks <laughs> like he was a catcher for 70 years he's a, a little bit of rough shape but it was the most fun he had a great time um and cool that they had johnny bench play love there it the go. big red machine see everything comes back to cincinnati and I am sure well, that baseball quote does. Because and I'm a hundred percent sure that that quote will age completely well all the way through this show. Oh, no forbearing <laughs> or wait, foreboding <laughs> comment at all. Everything always had. leads back to Cincinnati. Hint. Uh, Michelle, anything super exciting for you that can rival the Savannah bananas? I mean, it is not the Savannah There's Bananas, no, but I, I was Savannah in Florida bananas. last week. Yes, <gasps> Way different part of Florida than you. I know this. <laughs> I was in Panama City Beach, but um, up in the Panhandle. And Way far. Yes, very far from you. But uh, nonetheless, I got to go on an extended my side of the family vacation for a whole week. We were a block from the beach and got to have really good family time, which is so rare, especially uh, with us all being spread out. And um, I made shirts for the grandkids. Aww. So they had, I should show you all a photo, but there's five grandkids. And so I had their names on the back with numbered one, kind of like a jersey, numbered one through five in birth Love order, it. age order. That's um, cute. So it was just really good quality connected time is what I'd call it with family, which is is so rare when you're all spread out. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, for me, besides the sick house, I got to mow the grass for the first time. So I was pretty excited by that. Wow. Such a nerd. Ever? No, just this year. <laughs> I'm just such teasing. a nerd. I got to listen or I got to listen to a book on tape and mow the grass. That was... Did you put your ear protection on? I do. So good. See, my, we talked about this, so I had to I had My to son's ask. godfather is an audiologist. Shout yeah. out to Spencer. And uh, he saw a picture of me one time without ear protection. So ever since then I have ear protection. I know. That's why I brought it up because you've you've given Spencer the uh, the shout out for scolding you. I have you to. For, He's my bro. We're gonna golf for not wearing it. <laughs> All right. So on this show, we always recognize somebody, or we try to recognize somebody doing something awesome, and that is where you can send it in either email or hashtag SSPod shoutout. And this week, it goes to a Katy, Texas teenager. Uh, the backstory is Paul Gidry. Uh, due to acid reflux, lost a big chunk of his throat to cancer and had to use an electronic voice box. However, uh, the tubes in the throat, I, I'm trying to read his quote, but it says the tubes throats the noise to the back of my mouth and that's how I am able to talk. But the problem was the oral adapter holding the tube did not fit correct. I'm sorry, did not fit correctly. So that is where 18-year-old Georges McSennis, and I apologize if I mispronounced that, uh, used the 3D printer and recreated the appropriate uh, oral adapter. So there we go. That is pretty awesome. That's amazing. Now, I am not a huge knowledge base on voice box, so I'm not used to the one that has the tube that goes into the mouth to the back of the throat. Are you guys familiar with that one? We saw examples of it Um in grad school, but I've never seen someone using that out. Um, I my grad school gave us the electrolarynx that we had to go mm -hmm. to like Publix and order Ooh. with it, um, and 
call someone on the phone and like a customer service kind of thing and have that experience of what it's like. And I thought that was really helpful. But it, the one with the tube in the mouth makes me think of was it Peter Frampton with the he does something with the guitar and that's that yeah. classic sound that comes out. So I ha I don't remember what it sounds like if it's altered a little bit or if it does sound like typical speech. Um, but I would like to see that. Yeah, just like you, my experience has been the external one. Nothing with, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure what that's called. I should, I feel like I should know that. <laughs> mm -hmm. The external or the internal one? The internal one. Uh, this says, I don't know. Uh, it does say that um, Guidry uh, said it was costing him about $30 to replace the tip that was in his mouth. And that kept breaking. And now it only cost him $4 uh, thanks to uh, uh 3D modeling. So that's That's awesome. great. Awesome. I'm all about that. If we can cut costs on mm -hmm. cash. It's just like the story we talked about, goodness, a year or more ago about um, uh, insulin medication. Yeah. And uh, people find it was like a teenager or a college student who found a an insulin and then also that, that's been overpriced, right? Just surcharges mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And then um, EpiPens. Was it a, a somebody, I forget where it was, but I think it was a teen or a college student who came up with a much more cost-effective alternative to sell like at cost. That's people. great. Well, uh, Michelle, are you, yeah. do you watch TikToks a lot or no? No. <laughs> I know Rachel, you do, right? Oh yeah, I yeah. do. So do you remember, what was it, about a year ago with the Parkinson pillbox? I kind of remember that. Yeah, and what it was I am watching was, it more frequently because of you all. So this you're is welcome. Like, I'm okay, about good. to get a TikTok the, account. Watch. The Parkinson's <laughs> pillbox was somebody just like had a family member with Parkinson's or something. I'm forgetting the exact details. And just like drew up on a napkin like this perfect version of a pillbox that the person with Parkinson's just has to turn and it drops the pill out. And then mm. he put up the thing and then another TikToker like took it and then made a prototype. And then somebody else made another prototype and then they perfected it and then gave it away for free. That's oh, great. So. That's awesome. What, what is that quote? Is it necessity is the mother of invention? Mm -hmm. you yep. know and i i think our teens are so smart with just what they have 3d printers what we had a 3d printer at my, the high school that i worked at and i had one student that would come in and he would make rings for me um with like an eagle head on them or something or he just got more advanced like once he got the hang of it and i think that once he starts tinkering with that and he can make really cool things like it, it's that's what we need inventors yep. Leave it to the kids and they will find a way to surprise us. I really do believe that. On the flip side, though, things that shouldn't surprise us, it's the SS pod due process. Did you like how I did that transition Beautiful. from super happy to super not as happy? <laughs> the SS pod due process is your opportunity to send us something and we kind of get to debate it in the court of public opinion uh, and, and come up with an idea. And this, I like this one because this was sent in and it uses a term that we haven't been able to use in a long time. Uh, it says, hey all, how do I respond to my family, friends, and coworkers sharing videos of students with disabilities accomplishing athletic tasks? It feels a lot like when you talked about Inspiroporn mm. a few years ago. Oh yeah. I've and talked about that. Yeah, like I, as a special education person, as a speech and language pathologist, and as a coach, 
I love the idea of rewarding students who do not get the opportunity, a moment to shine for their family and friends. What I, this is me as a coach. What I do not like is that video being shared for online karma. That's where I kind of draw that line. Like I have no problem where the basketball team puts in the student manager with cerebral palsy or autism to play a couple minutes to get their basket. But it's the sharing of the video that I feel weird about or when the team's like, oh, I'm not going to play defense. It's like, no, give the kid the, the moment, Rachel. I'm so sorry. so no, I'm just thinking one one video that just went very viral a few weeks ago. I saw it on Barstool. Um, it was a, a blind girl that the coach is a like hitting a wooden stick against the basket. So she's at the free throw line and she's just hitting it so she can locate it. And she made the basket and everyone went wild. And that's not like what you're talking about, Matt, with like the team not doing Mm -hmm. what they're doing in sports and, and letting the kid make the touchdown and everything. And I agree with what you're saying with like, you know, I see these promposals all the time of yeah. inviting the kid with Down syndrome or something to prom, but it's the the student that is inviting them that's getting the views that's like, look what a good person I am. And I know the neurodiversity movement right now is saying like even best buddies club is like performative in a lot of ways. Um, so that performative aspect of it, when you, when you're pairing them for that purpose is worrying to me and that trauma porn, like kind of stuff, the inspiration, it it can be very cringy. Um, and and that's something that I'm starting to recognize now is like something's not right with this. I think one thing I've started to make myself stop and think when I see that stuff or if there was something that I want to share having worked in a school with people who are all blind or or, are deaf and worked with special needs students like many of us um, I've had to stop and make myself think would I share this if they didn't have Mm -hmm. x diagnosis or whatever else and so I think if we can stop and think like oh my gosh I would totally share this no matter what then to me, that's not, you're focusing on the right thing. <laughs> if, if it's, you're sharing a moment, that's just a good team moment or a good experience moment. It's not focusing on like, Oh, look at this person being so great because they did something for a person with a diagnosis. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. I was trying to look it up. There was a, basketball game years ago like in 2006 and i think it falls into that category what are you talking about 2006 was like last year (laughs) i know right it was only 16 years ago (laughs) where and it was all over it was all over um espn where the manager like the the team put in the 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 team man or the coach put in the team manager with autism and then he went off for like 20 points and couldn't miss anywhere on the field like or not I remember a, that. Wow, I am a sports person, uh, and I just on said the court, on yeah. the field, but and it couldn't miss anywhere on the court. I feel like sharing that—that's appropriate because that is like 
impressive. It's not, right, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's not kid with autism scores a basket. It was team manager came in and dropped 20 and points on some it. unsuspecting <laughs> high school team. But uh, it, they it had just, a ringer and they didn't know it. <laughs> it just gives me the heebie-jeebies, like this whole thing. And yeah. Rachel, when you brought up like the promposals and I never even thought about like best friends club or, or whatever they call it in each district that mm-hmm. oh, you're right. Best what, buddies what is a very best buddies. Yes. Best buddies is a nationwide organization. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's even international, um, but the neurodiversity movement and some uh, people that are very involved in that say that best buddies is performative, that it's why are we, why do we need to pair this student with an able-bodied person using quotation marks like it and it's for the benefit of the typical student that's going to college that's saying Mm -hmm. look how much time i spend giving back to the community and so it's for an alternative purpose rather than the goodness of your heart or you know spending time being with these students that need assistance or you i could talk about this for a long time, but it is something that you have to recognize the promposals because I were I've worked in a high school for a long time. I've seen that, but I've also seen a lot of videos of it and people. Um, I can't think of the word for it. They, the student that's doing the promposing is the one that gets rewarded that, wow, Mm -hmm. you're a hero. Like, thank you for doing this for them. They're going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And like, we don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's a touchy subject. Question now is because, you know, I'm always trying to learn and mm-hmm. just like we all are. Um, so I'm trying to do better too. But with a program like Best Buddies or a similar program where they might pair up is the mm-hmm. the problem it sounds like is when it becomes performative, when it becomes just to benefit the able-bodied typical whatever you want to call it person mm-hmm. right if is there an example of where that could really be a beneficial program for both people well, like got, to pair people up as in this is important for both of you <laughs> like, i've got kind of an example where at the school i work at they have a robotics club okay and students with and without disabilities are allowed are allowed wow that sounds terrible are invited to be part of robotics club. And if there is a student with a physical disability, they usually get matched up with somebody without that physical disability just to complete the task. So there is no like, we're joining this because, as you said, Rachel, it looks good to to work with somebody with a disability. It's just that both people have an interest in building fighting robots. It's tough because I I know I'm trying to look up now. I know that um, one of the websites that talks about the neurodiversity movement is saying like even those clubs that are made specifically for people with autism or autistic people with identity first language. um, I, I saw someone on one of the Facebook groups months and months ago saying like, oh, I made a Dungeons and Dragons group for social skills for um, 
autistic kids and there was just a roast after roast that like why do you have to make them talk about this one topic mm. like why can't they just discuss what they want to discuss so the neurodiversity movement is saying like let autistic people talk about what they want to talk we don't have to put these time limits on things the pragmatic stuff that we've been talking about or implementing as slps has uh, i don't want to say come under fire because that is a gun term that i'm trying to remove from my language as trauma-informed you know all these idioms that we use yes right? mm -hmm. yeah so it's just another way of uh, the neurodiversity movement is saying that let autistic people talk about what they want to talk about and when you make something like a dungeons and dragons club if that is their interest you're having them talk about that one subject in a contained area and i i'm still learning about this uh, it's a lot mm -hmm. of things that i thought were like great ideas before that i'm like wow that is really confining that's masking that's this so i'm i'm continuing continually learning about it continuously um but would it but be the, okay about, if it was like a Dungeons and Dragons for anyone. the whole school? Yeah. Would that would would that be better? Yeah, Is it I, okay, okay. I think so. I I will look we're up not more of we it. Just talk. Yeah. I know. We're trying to figure it out. I know. I'm I'm turning to you, Rachel, but that's because you were you kind of led that part of the topic. But mm -hmm. um because I do, I'm like, okay, take that idea Ooh. and be like, okay, can we have this social group about Dungeons and Dragons, and it's not just for autistic people, it's for anyone who wants to join this. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I wonder if that would be an example of something that could be useful, but I'm trying to, to learn as we go, just like we all are. Absolutely. Um, and then what would be, cause you know, it's confining the topic for any language group is now that I'm thinking of it, you're challenging me to think of it of is if we're trying to confine topics for any of our language kids, should we not be doing that? Should we be giving them a broader scope mm -hmm. for those language skills? So some, some people say, yes, that we shouldn't be limiting those conversations yeah. that we only limit conversations for neurodiverse people. We don't limit conversations for neurotypical people. And it, it's, a, I could spend hours like reading these. But I think we do as speech pathologists, we do limit conversations, not just for, for neurotypical and neurodiverse people when it comes to us kind of controlling the therapy room. Do we? Well, I well, mean, I well, think you see that with teachers too, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, within the neurodiversity movement, they talk about like neurodiversity, affirming non-ableist mm -hmm. pragmatic language therapy mm, um okay so that's a whole other thing it's yeah, like that we could talk about i need to learn <laughs> yes well, we could talk about that another day matt <laughs> i don't know if you heard that no we i heard you about... but i was okay, coughing okay. really hard over here so i apologize <laughs> i know both of your poor voices <laughs> yeah if i go silent and i just leave just continue the show without me and i and just i keep apologize on water over here don't restate the question for the <laughs> class no i need to i need to read up more especially on what is the term you just used rachel the like is that a thing that can exist a neurodivergent affirming social yes yes okay. yes and i think part of it is not treating the word treating is like something to fix um it's offering the skills 
that the, the student wants. If they want to learn how to be communicators with neurotypical people, here are some ways that you can identify how they're feeling, how they're doing, you know, these are things that we can teach, but it's not must do this or must not talk about special interest washing machines for 45 minutes at a time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's very limiting. And we don't do that with people that, you know, I hate small talk, which is interesting (laughs) that I'm on a podcast and it's about small talk, you know? Um, But we don't say like, you know what? I'm kind of done with your conversation. Like we do in certain ways, but we don't do it as harshly. We don't Mm -hmm. force things. And that's that masking that we're teaching them to act neurotypical. For to our me, benefit, this this movement though of of neurodiversity affirming to me makes sense in the realm of of speech pathology because uh, I'm going to use the word treatment because when we're providing our services, whether we're in a hospital or a different setting in a school or a clinic, um, it's just like to me the best doctors that I've seen are those that are patient choice affirming, right? Like mm-hmm. they provide me, Hey, here's all your options. And this is the information I think you need to know. And it's your decision because it's your body, you're the patient, your call. And to me, that's, that sounds like what this push is wanting from us as therapists is, Hey, like, I'm going to, I'm going to help educate you or give you information about communication and, and us interacting with you and you interacting with with neurotypical neurodiverse and okay. And you do you like, <laughs> this is our, I've been, is, is that right? Am I on the right? Yeah, and I've, yes. I've been slowly adding that into my therapy groups over the last three years where it's changed from you have to do this to, we now talk more about communication as power mm-hmm. and okay. here's how you can show power. Here's how you can give up power. Here's how you can steal power. And it's all like, if you want to show confidence, you have that open body posture. People might listen to you more. And it's not necessarily like you have to do this. But if we think about Superman, he stands like this because he's got power versus that closed. And if you see somebody with a closed thing, maybe they don't want to talk. It's that's what we've been doing in our therapy room. It's not like, oh, you need to show me closed body posture nine different times. My goals have become almost, uh, they have to dis like identify an emotion linked to a body pot to a nonverbal. So if I say somebody uses a harsh tone of voice, it, you know, that is I'm tracking to see if they under, if the student knows a harsh voice may be related to anger versus using a harsh voice or using a appropriate voice in the classroom. Also, I could be way off and I'm okay with that to be we're, taught to we're change all that too. Learning and, and <laughs> we're learning. Yeah. I, this is becoming, I, I would say in the last two months, Instagram, the speech Instagram has completely gotten into this conversation about neurodi- neurodiversity affirming therapy as a speech pathologist. And it's having a lot of conversations, a lot of dumpster fires on, on the internet, on the speech Facebook groups. And it's a learning point. Like we are learning how at 
what I was taught in grad school, just from like the language that we used was always person first. So this is something that's new that I automatically, my brain goes to person first language, a person with autism, a person with this. But now mm -hmm. we are learning that autistic people prefer to be called autistic, identity first language. And it's listening to autistic people say, this was harmful, I like eye contact goals. Um, there are still SLPs writing on eye contact goals. And it's like, I am, well, I don't know if I'm neurotypical. Well, I, I have ADHD, <laughs> so I'm not. Um, but I do struggle with eye contact a lot. And I'm actually focusing much harder when I'm not giving you full eye contact because it's too much the sensory overload i also have like with uh sounds i have issues with that so and i'm not supposed to say issues like <laughs> that it's all these language changes that are conscious efforts for us after being told you only use person first language when an autistic person is telling you i'm autistic this is part of my identity this is who i am i wouldn't be that without like myself um this is something that we can look into and it's not like oh i'm gonna go ahead and call every person autistic or every i'm gonna continue to use person first the first thing i do is hey how would you and like ask, to be right? yeah ask how would you like to be referred to are you a person with autism or an autistic person and that's when i will write in their you know iep or whatever this is a I uses identity first language uses person first language. These are little things that we can do to help understand and reading about it is going to help us become mm -hmm. better therapists. Hey, off slightly off topic, following what you just said. Um, and I know I've mentioned this before. It's, it's interesting for me having worked a lot with the deaf community and with the blind community um, who have long ago embraced the identity yes. first absolutely language as an I am a deaf person I am a blind mm -hmm. person um, and then to see that move into autistic communities saying I am autistic yes and I I'm curious to see is that going to I think that's going to continue to shift into other pockets of the population choosing to use an identity first because it is something they consider part of who they are i might have I, mentioned I, this uh sorry rachel I no go may, ahead may have mentioned this on air before but um one of the research uh studies i was part of in undergrad looked at uh, and in sports psychology course that i took um my undergrad was in psych uh focused on this identity of athletes and that there was i have to find the study but a clear distinction between when someone says for example I play soccer versus I am a soccer player. A soccer player. player. Interesting. And um, I've, I've thought of that a little bit with this idea of identity first, because it, there's a difference in leaving that sport and moving on from that sport. Um, because somebody who says I am a soccer player, it is part of how they define themselves. Like if they list who they yeah, are, it's going exactly. to be part of that versus someone who says I I, I play soccer. Um, usually there's like our language does make a distinction distinction with that as to the identity of that person. And um, I think that carries over into I'm 
I'm broadening this a little bit. I'm generalizing a bit, but um, into certain career fields too. I mean, even people like we mm-hmm. say, I am a speech language pathologist. You don't just say, oh, I do therapy with kids. Um, sometimes we will casually, if we're trying to not make it about our identity, we'll distance ourselves verbally from it. I do and- that. Yeah. I'm on that side that I'm, I'm not about making SLP my entire identity. So yeah. I'm not like, Oh, I'm an SLP first. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm a person who happens to dabble in speech yes, for my yes. full-time job. But and, I think you it's know, the setting is where yes. I change it. Like I change how I identify myself. And it's all about asking. Asking mm-hmm. is what helps with that. And it was one of my followers said to me, he's like, could you imagine if I said I am a man with gay and he's like, I'm a gay man. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that's another area that this is also like Mm -hmm. uh, something I didn't think about. And And I think certain career fields tend to even lend themselves even more to that. Like I'll use the example of firefighting. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a firefighter because they're part of this culture and this community that is way more than just I clock in and I clock out. And Mm -hmm. so very few of them will ever use a different term than I am a firefighter because it's so much part of who they are. Right. I kind of want to now, next time I run into somebody and they ask me if I'm, if I have kids, I want to just kind of respond and be like, I am a male of three <laughs> young yeah. humans. Like, but this identity yes. research, like there, there is yeah, research on that I. over the years. And I just think it's so fascinating. Um, and, I do and it has to move- do with, with the sport thing, injury recovery is tied into oh, that too because that's um, awesome the idea of, i mean think of brett Favre. how many times did he retire yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. before he because he couldn't leave because he is a football player like it's not just mm-hmm. his job it's not something he could just walk away from mm-hmm. and i do want to sidestep to the next topic but yeah. you bring up a good point like i play softball but i am a bowler and it is such hey, an interesting see? like yeah. yeah i play softball because I used to be a baseball player. Ah, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> huh. Tangentially related to that, we as a field have not always been the best at trying to get students or adults into therapy. And of course, anything that we talk about, we want to hear from you. Head to our website, speedsciencepodcast.com and email speedsciencepodcast at gmail.com. And Rachel, you stumbled across in your social media expertise. And by the way, Rachel and Michelle, uh, you guys are the experts on our Instagram and Twitter and everything else. So (laughs) I I give to you in this area. But Rachel, what did you stumble across as we talk about scare tactics in therapy? So I saw a screenshot of a conversation between an SLP um, or related field and a parent that brought their child into a private speech office and the poster on the wall. It's a very nineties picturesque sepia tone. Let me paint you a picture here. This teenager is looking off into the distance and the caption that's on it says catch speech language and hearing problems early. And it can mean the difference between a child learning a sentence and serving one. And That is, like Michelle said, the most 90s scare tactic ever. But can you imagine walking into a private practice now, bringing your two-year-old in and seeing this here, and you're like, 
what does this mean? What if I don't get my child treated now, they're going to go to jail. That is a scare tactic. Yeah. Well, and I want to, <laughs> I want to say that like, okay, is this based in some data of some obscure study that, you know, somebody said they're at a higher risk of, of issues with the law if they have a language disorder of some kind or a diagnosis. But to throw that into the scare tactic poster just reminds me of the cringeworthy now, but maybe we didn't think of it as cringeworthy then, 90s ads and scare tactics about, did anyone have a mock car accident at their high school? Oh, drunk driving. Yes. Or, um, the, the posters that show one cigarette and the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Or like the, you're going to smoke, if you smoke pot, you will die. Like mm -hmm. it's, um, and I so say that because it's, these scare tactics don't work. It tends to push people to the side of that's not going to happen. That's so extreme. I don't believe you. And, or in this case, oh my gosh, if I walked in there, I'd be like, what is this? But that's because I'm a speech pathologist. And so I'd be like, why would you say that? This is going to throw, I mean, throw people into a spiral when you're already stressed out enough trying to bring your kid in to a clinic, but I'm just amazed. It, there's some very old, I've been in doctor's offices that have very old posters mm -hmm. up too that you think, I think you should have taken that down 10 years ago. But. There is a study from 2017 that is done in the International Language Communication Disorders, the International Journal of Language Communication Disorders. And it says that they looked at 84 adults with developmental language disorders and they said that adults with a history of dld who received targeted intervention during their school years reported less contact with their local police service compared with the uh others by the age of 24. i, I say others because i don't know what amp oh age matched peers i don't know amps at the is age this of 24. correlation or are they saying this is okay right. so yeah there's a lot of uh, i think that this it's a scare tactic. This is yeah. truly, I can't imagine that it's not trauma informed. So Michelle, when you brought up the whole car accident thing, working at a high yeah. school, that was very popular before prom, like don't drink and drive because of this dare. We've had multiple in my community car accidents that have deaths involved of teenagers mm -hmm. of that they weren't drinking to bring that to a school and have that sitting out there is so not trauma informed it's it's gross it really is um so this i feel but the 20 same way years ago people thought that was working right <laughs> right right and it's well, but i'm i'm with you like it's we're running ahead, into the sorry. scare tactics with my daughter yeah with her, really yeah so with the the cochlear on the the big d deaf side you know we're in some fam we're in some family facebook groups and if you mention cochlear, they want to automatically tell you the high risk of meningitis and failed implants mm -hmm. and long recovery times and, and, and whatever else. And then we're on, you know, other Facebook groups of families with cochlear and they want to talk about how if you don't get cochlear, your mm -hmm. child is going to be ostracized. Yeah, you're right. abusing like, their ostracized from society. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's hard. So it's like, to, I, I just think no, I just think that this is inappropriate to have in an office, whether there is some scientific basis that says 
these students with speech and language difficulties end up incarcerated at a higher level, this is not a poster to have when you bring your two-year-old in to work on their R's. Like, you know, and somebody like, thought it was a good play on and, words and decided exactly. to make it a poster. And let's and, also not forget that students that are more likely, less likely to have early intervention are not high middle to high income white families exactly so I was this say, yes. I mean, if, if you're going yes. by that are you a minority because you're at a higher mm -hmm. risk to be in prison because our system sucks like <laughs> yes so that's what i ended up responding to where i was sent this that it's the systems in place could probably determine whether the child will be incarcerated at a higher level than this. So if you're going like the systems in place for over policed communities, what are the chances? Also the people that are doing the mm -hmm. arresting, are they trained on working with, with people with intellectual disability? I know in around my community, they do a great job about educating about autism um, to police officers. Um, but at the same time, if the students aren't able to communicate, that's going to result in a little difficulty. So I, whether this scare tactic has some basis of truth, this is wholly inappropriate to put in a private practice to scare parents from saying, what happens if I can't afford uh, mm -hmm. this early intervention? Or is my child gonna go to jail at some point? Like, it's not the right thing to do. Well, and, and kind of jumping on or adding to, I guess, Rachel, like mm -hmm. there is a difference between using this study, and, and I'm sure there's other studies that are similar, to justify more intervention dollars at younger ages into schools of at-risk children and at-risk mm -hmm. cultural parts of society. There's a difference between using it to justify that and in advertising for a private practice or advertising to make money off of it. That's and I true. Think, I think maybe that's part of it where if this was part of a PowerPoint presentation to a school board to say, we need more special mm -hmm. education because 60% or whatever it is are more likely to end up uh, with negative impacts down the road with mm -hmm. alcohol and police interaction. I don't think there's a problem with that because you, yeah, we do. I mean, it's still a scare tactic, but what we're trying to do, you're using some data to make a change, cherry yeah, picking to make a change. Yeah, you're right. That's it. That's it to make a change. We, oh, Michelle, you're hundred percent right. It is using it to make a change versus, Hey, come see me as a therapist. Because if you don't, your child might end up in jail. Like that just feels right. Gross. There's it scare is. tactics from doctors and stuff too, and how, just like you said, Matt. Of, mm -hmm. It does make you like cringe and skin crawl a little bit because they're like, if you don't do this now, X will happen. Yeah. And it's a a this equals this instead of a I'm giving you information just like we talked about in the last segment and and helping you be informed i i just think of michelle i was telling you about it i think of back to mean girls when uh. coach Carr is giving like the sex talk with the whiteboard and he's like some of you will have <laughs> sex and you will die like it's it's just like and every kid in that room has tuned him out <laughs> like if that was reality we all laugh because we've experienced that to an extent 
Right. Not so, to go into too much detail, <laughs> but my freshman year, they showed us STDs. I went to an all male high school and they showed well, us. They did this a lot of places. That we did. Know, yeah, we've like, done that too. Yeah. But like, I mean, like when you're telling a male audience what can happen, you you go, oh God, like, I don't know. I don't So there's scare tactics for everything, but this poster being up in a private clinic is concerning to me that you have parents that are bringing their children in to help with their children's communication. And this poster staring them in the face saying, if you don't, this will happen. We don't know what life circumstances these families are going through. Will they able to be able to continue with paying with for therapy? Um, is this something that is going to take therapy forever? Um, it, it's not an appropriate thing, in my opinion, to have on the walls of a private clinic. Not just your opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think all three of us agree with that. We don't, we don't always agree on here, guys, but yes, there you go. I think we do. I think there's a reason that we all do that. Anywho's, mm -hmm. we want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com and email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. On the other side of the break, we're going to check in with the informed SLP, and then we're going to look at a new study linking concussions and the vestibular system, and then also what's up with ASHA. We'll talk about that in a moment. You're listening to Speech Science. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. How do I help people with Wernicke's aphasia? This is a review of multiple research articles, which are linked in this review on our website. You've been asking for it. Here's a roundup of impairment-based interventions and functional treatment ideas for you to use with patients who have fluent aphasia. Me, giving a facility screener to a new client post-stroke. Can you answer yes-no questions? The client with all the confidence in the world. Yes, I can bathe and dress myself. Me, furiously scribbles notes to assess for likely Wernicke's aphasia. Oh, Wernicke's aphasia. We learn about the symptoms and diagnosis in grad school and then cross our fingers that we only ever see textbook Broca's aphasia. You know, the one we feel most confident about that has all the treatment options and EBP. As a refresher, people with Wernicke's aphasia have impaired auditory comprehension and repetition, but fluency is relatively spared. We've included a link to a YouTube video of a gentleman demonstrating fluent speech filled with jargon and impaired auditory comprehension in a link in this review on our website. Note that most of the literature on treatment for fluent aphasia is single subject designs or case studies, 
So what we have isn't quite as strong as we'd like, but it's a start. First, how do we treat expressive language in fluent aphasia? The great news is we treat naming in fluent aphasia using the same approaches we use for non-fluent aphasia. Phonological component analysis and semantic feature analysis improved naming accuracy and decreased neologisms in people with fluent aphasia. Promoting aphasic's communicative effectiveness, or PACE, with emphasis on gestures improved spontaneous language, repetition, naming, comprehension, and communicative effectiveness in two people with Wernicke's aphasia. Intensive language action therapy, previously known as constraint-induced language therapy, improved auditory comprehension, naming, and repetition in people with fluent aphasia. The verb network strengthening treatment, or VNEST, improved sentence production, action, and object naming, and informativeness and completeness of discourse in people with fluent aphasia. Unfortunately, to our knowledge, there haven't been any studies that use an outcome measure of neologisms or jargon on spontaneous speech. Then, to get at the heart of the question of how to treat Wernicke's aphasia, how do we treat receptive language in receptive aphasia? Unfortunately, again, Research on treatments for auditory comprehension isn't nearly as robust as for anomia, but most of the approaches listed above did improve auditory comprehension at least somewhat. Kieran et al. had the only study that specifically aimed to improve comprehension with a complicated sentence picture matching and object matching approach. A comparable and more accessible treatment can be found in the advanced language apps by Tactus Therapy. Okay, all of the treatments we've mentioned so far are impairment-based, but we know that functional approaches are important in aphasia treatment too. Communication partner training focuses on partners providing support for the person with aphasia in a conversation and is appropriate for all aphasia types. The clinician, communication partner, and person with aphasia work together to find strategies that best support the person with aphasia and then educate other communication partners on using these strategies. Conversational coaching involves the SLP acting as a communication strategy coach and training as a primary communication partner and the person with aphasia to improve conversation. And lastly, supported conversation for adults with aphasia, or SCA, encourages communication techniques and acknowledges competence in people with aphasia. We've included a link in this review on our website to see it in action. These interventions focus on authentic communication contexts, which you can identify by asking, what does this person want and need to talk about, and what can they talk about? We can create these authentic communication contexts by observing, using interview tools, and learning their life stories. Written information, objects belonging to the person, and relevant pictures can be helpful prompts. 
the goal of authentic communication contexts isn't for the patient to achieve specific word retrieval targets, do drills, repeat, or answer questions, but for the clinician to verify and rephrase, provide listening breaks, and summarize their success. These sessions are often filled with laughter and joy, and it may just look like talking, but this person-centered approach encourages competence and connection for people with aphasia. Goals for people with aphasia should be in the smarter format, which may be a little different than what you know. S. Shared. The clinician and person with aphasia share the decision-making, understand each other's perspective, and provide and make real choices. M. Monitored. Goals are continuously evaluated through numerical measures and or through client and family evaluation. A. Accessible. Information is provided in, a, in an aphasia-friendly format, providing support for communication. R. Relevant. The goals are relevant to the life of the person with aphasia. T. Transparent. Lists, metaphors, and analogies like steps or ladders are used to help the person with aphasia understand the treatment process. E. Evolving. The goals are revisited and revised regularly with flexibility with the acceptance and rehabilitation process. R. Relationship-centered. Relationship is critical to the therapeutic process and the clinician and client bring themselves to the table as real people. Here are some great examples of person-centered goals using functional approaches and the smarter approach. The person with aphasia and their communication partner will increase the quality of communication interactions as the person with aphasia decreases jargonous output by 50% or greater during a 15-minute conversational sample. The client and his communication partner will increase the quality of communicative interactions as the person with aphasia increases intelligible speech output from zero to seven words or phrases during a 15-minute conversational sample. The person with aphasia will increase her communicative efficiency during a 15-minute conversational sample with a designated communication partner by increasing the use of word retrieval strategies such as writing, drawing, gesturing, pointing to pictures within a visual scene, and pointing to the first letter on the alphabet board by 50% or greater. Aphasia is often chronic, and it takes time to learn to live with it. Maybe our main goal isn't to help people get over aphasia, but to learn to fit it into their lives. Incorporation of a home practice component may promote generalization. See Honeycomb Speech Therapy for great information on home programs, which we've linked in this review on our website. We hope this gives you a solid jumpstart to confidently treating Wernicke's aphasia. And just in case you need it, here's a favorite flowchart, which we've linked in this review on our website, of different aphasia types to print out and keep handy.
Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. We'll get back into the show in just a moment, but this episode of Speech Science is brought to you by Therapy Essentials, which includes Presence Learning Therapy Platform. It's so much more than your average video conferencing tool. It includes everything you need to securely and effectively deliver speech language therapy and assessments remotely. Michelle, the hardest part of teletherapy for me was always having a robust selection of therapy materials because everything I have is either 2D or the toys. So it's wonderful that Therapy Essentials has a content library full of customizable games and activities that I can personalize for my therapy sessions to keep my clients engaged. Plus, you also, Matt, have the ability to upload your own therapy content and materials. So when you have those things you've already made, you can use those too plus a collaborative workspace with multiple camera views so you can see what your clients are doing and they can see what you are doing. And live in-person chat support that can keep you on track. Presence Learning Platform has everything you need to confidently build your teletherapy career. Michelle, if they want to learn more, where do they go? You can start your free trial today and learn more at presencelearning.com. Be sure to click on our platform at the top of the homepage. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 162. I'm Matt, joined by Michelle. Hi, Matt. And Rachel. Hello. Marie and Michael are off this week. I do like the rotation of five hosts. It does make it fun and, and there's different Matt. opinions. And, and yeah, no one, no one wants to do what I'm doing. So as soon as somebody wants to jump we in can't. i get to take a long vacation we can't you, you do what you're doing me all the stuff in texas <laughs> i use zoom there is no something to ship no you're editing software and everything it's digital i don't have to ship it i'll just give you the send it to me perfect name we can do that oh my uh, goodness hey guys i don't know if you want to start planning this because when this airs this will drop somewhere between the 25th and the 28th in a couple of days it's may Better Hearing and Speech Month. Are you guys doing anything exciting? I, I did really last thought year it was Better Speech it. and Hearing Month. I thought <laughs> I thought it was also. Um, EHSM, Connecting People. That is the this, theme. This is the first year that I'm not in the school for this month. So typically what I do is I send out an email like, what is speech? What is language? To everyone in the staff, um, put some little cute graphics that Asha usually sends out and posts for us, which is nice. Um, and answer questions. I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I think maybe just have those resources available and send them to the SLPs that I work with. Um, and yeah, I hope. Yeah, Asha says their theme this year is connecting people. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, with what happens over on the Asha website, I learned this last year, they actually make materials that you can print out and give to your teachers. 
Uh, so you do not have to reinvent the wheel. Week one is talking about schools. Week two, inpatient settings. Week three, outpatient settings. And week four, home for the SLPs and workplace for our AUD friends. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that they do it in different settings, but that's super helpful. But who prints anymore? I'm sending an email. I do because I like killing trees. I I did print things still though, because I put um, like a sucker, a lollipop with Mm -hmm. each one about for teachers, especially because that's true. Educators are people Mm -hmm. who often have overuse. Um, Definitely. Of their their vocal folds. Definitely. I think that's a great idea. Um, I also wanted to bring up that this month is the month of the military child. And I had no idea until I walked into a school today that everyone was wearing purple. And I was like, did not get the memo. Um, Uh, but But you have purple on, do you not? So this is now you I'm do. Go- this is my sleeping shirt. It's got oh. beer on it. I have beer. It's a Hefeweizen. So oh, no, not um, that one. Did not wear this uh, yeah, to wear the school to today. No, yeah. I wore a cute little professional outfit, and everyone's wearing like purple. And I was like, "What is this?" And um, I actually thought it was something to do with Columbine because this is actually the 23rd anniversary of Columbine. Uh-huh. So I Googled it, was not the correct answer. And I found out that it is the month of the military child. So yeah, I, know. I have two of those living in my house. <laughs> you do, you I do. do. I have a couple of military kids, but yes, I, there's been a lot of, um, they call it purple app for military kids. And it was yesterday at my kid's school. And, um, but all month long, there's different events um, and things and people wearing a lot of purple. Why uh, purple? I, you know, I don't know why on the color choice. I'll have to look that up, but, um, maybe like purple heart, maybe, and I maybe do, it's connected to that. It could be. I, I do know there's oh, often dandelions on it. Mm-hmm. And the idea being that dandelions are, I know they're considered weeds by many people, but they will grow anywhere. And, uh, the idea of, of the analogy of a military child being like a dandelion that, oh, anywhere um and the resiliency uh, that's so cute with with moving around so i'll have to find out why the color purple but there's a lot of things you'll see with dandelion oh okay here we go uh why purple this is according to veteran.com there's a tradition in the military referring to the color purple one use of the color involves the phrase purple suit which can refer to a military activity organization that includes civilians and or multiple branches of the military And in the context of April 15th, this tradition continues. Purple indicates that all branches of the military are supported. All the service colors are represented, including the Air Force Blue, Army Green, Navy Blue, Marine Red, and Coast Guard Blue, said to combine for the mutual benefit of all into the color purple. Oh, I didn't know that. You've taught me something new. I mean, I do know the term green suit is green suitor is used for a person in uniform, like a soldier. Oh, I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. So I didn't know that the purple was for the com- nice. combination yeah yeah oh and according to veteran.com one event is purple day should not be confused with purple day which is an epilepsy awareness day held on march 26th and i did have so a friend purple ask up. purple up day um actually courtney who has been on air who's a military yeah. spouse and an slp uh she had asked about organizations to support military kids and um i know one that might be of interest to speech pathologists is um, connected through, let me get the right title for you, uh, but connected through reading, I believe. 
and it is an organization. I'm going to find the link and get the title. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I think but, that's really cool about the dandelions. Like that's a really beautiful analogy. And, um, and I, Michelle, I just, yeah. yeah. Oops, sorry, Rachel. No, I thought ahead. you were going to finish. I was going to say, and Michelle, every day is mother of military children appreciation day. Just so every you know. day. Thanks. Every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here you go. Military kids are like dandelions. They can put down roots almost anywhere and they are impossible to destroy, adapt easily and can survive nearly anywhere because military children bloom everywhere. The wind carries them and stand ready to fly to the breeze to take them to new adventures, lands and make new friends. That was just from a that's cute um, description on military.com. I just think of uh, Sid the Sloth from Ice Age with the dandelions. Like, oh, the last dandelion. <laughs> hey, uh, that's, that's funny. Did you see the squirrel finally got the the acorn? The acorn? No, they I didn't see. They shut down Blue, what is it, Blue Blue Sky Studios, which was the Fox studio. Disney finally shut it down. No. Uh, and their goodbye video was Scrit or Scrat, uh, Scrat eating his acorn. finally got the acorn. I didn't see yeah. that. I have to look that up. That's crazy. I do need to find that. Yeah, so the organization is called United um, Through Reading, and uh, it's it's worth looking up if you can, but it's a, a way to connect families with a deployed um, service member with their kids by having them pre-record or read books I love to connect it. them. So good literacy language connection. We want to hear from you, speechsciencepodcast.com, and especially with this new one, uh, if you are a high school SLP, you might want to be listening to this because separate studies are now linking concussion to vestibular nerve injuries and sound processing problems. In one study, 42 adults were divided into two, 21, or two groups, uh, 21 athletes with sports-related concussions and experiencing symptoms exceeding six months, and 21 age and sex-matched control groups. And in that group, they found that there was a dysfunction of the inferior vestibular nerve, possibly related to the stretching of the nerve due to head rotation. And then in the other group, it was a, uh, where's this one at? This one was done at Northwestern University, investigating how athletes process sound post head injury. And they used with audiology and found the effect of concussion also may be present in military veterans. I think that connection that, mm -hmm. that made me think of it as well. When I read through the article, Matt, of, um, you know, I did a, a rotation at a VA and I have some friends working at VA hospitals now. And um, I do know a lot of veterans post TBI will report issues with like sound processing. So this i think this research is so important because it's showing that that's not just that that could be very much tied to the traumatic brain injury or the concussions that they've experienced um and whether things seem too loud or things seem too soft it's been i, I know that there can that can go both ways i think it's interesting because they talk about how they show normal results but then they have the difficulty pulling out information. So when we're testing them uh, post-concussion for a athlete or returning veteran, they're going to test in the average range and we're going to miss maybe these, you know, maybe we need to look at more speech sound discrimination. Mm -hmm. And that article talked about issues with um, understand with speech feeling rapid, mm -hmm. even at a normal rate of speech. 
um, feeling like people are talking too fast or that I can't process it this fast. So I, I often wonder, and this is a can of worms question. And I think Rachel, I'd be interested to hear your thought as someone who has worked at the high school level, like I, I used to do our, our caseloads are already crazy high. Did you ever insert yourself with the athletic department to help, you know, post concussion? <laughs> like, no, you're okay. I'm just, no, Okay. I, I would love if that became a, I would love if that became something that they were aware of, but just, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the process about how that happens. We do have eligibility of like TBI. We, we are able to say that, but it needs a medical diagnosis. That being said, I don't have any students with TBI that I'm a related service of language or speech or anything. Um, so with students that have concussions and stuff, it's not like, Oh, go see the SLP. Um, I, I think that's, way down the line like they need to see their physician and everything um but that i when i was in grad school when i didn't know that there was a thesis option or anything i would have loved to study um contact sports i'm a big fan of hockey um i know living in florida that's an odd thing to say <laughs> um but i just went to a panthers game panthers. a few weeks ago the other night they're doing very well um but i always think of um the players there in these high contact sports, uh, rugby, uh, and thankfully football has brought it to light in the last few years, not because of their own um, interest in it. It was, you know, that concussion movie. Um, I think that it's, right? is it concussion? concussion? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I never actually ended movie. up seeing it, but I saw the documentary before that came out and I loved it. And there's HBO had a great documentary about it. Um, we are going to see many athletes end up with, you know, they have concussions. Even, uh, was it Giselle, Tom Brady's wife made some comment I, like two years ago about how many concussions he had had, mm -hmm. but he had zero recorded. So it was like, what do you mean he had a concussion? Like that's the whole purpose of these doctors on the team are to assess, does he have a concussion? Does he not? And yet he was able to play with multiple concussions in a season. So um, we're going to be seeing a lot of these athletes come, come down with, you know, TBI related issues in the future. I've heard a former football player uh, talk on the radio and he said his coach told him that when the referee asked him what day it was, you always say Sunday because the odds of you not playing on a Sunday was very slim. Mm -hmm. And so that way it was, you could pass the concussion test because it was like, what's your name? What city are you in? And this, what city you are in is like a 50, 50 shot. You're either at home or away. And what day is it? It's Sunday coach. Uh, it says persistent symptoms included in the vestibular group, dizziness, anxiety, balance issues, headaches, nausea, and difficulty focusing with depression. Uh, and we've already touched on the other one. So be on the lookout for that. Near the end of every episode, we like to say, what's up, Asha? 
What's up, yeah. Asha? What's Yay. up, Asha? <laughs> and this week, usually it's a what's up, Asha, and it's an anger emoji. This week, I think we might give the thumbs up emoji or the heart. Um, so I don't know if everyone's been watching what's happened in the news lately, but there's been a couple law changes in Florida and Texas. I mean, not in Ohio yet. They're trying to pass it. And the ASHA Board of Directors has decided to withdraw the commitment to the 2024 ASHA Convention in Dallas, Texas. They've carefully considered a wide array of factors and voted to exit Dallas based on the discriminatory legislation in the state of Texas. Now, I do apologize. Is Texas, is Texas calling it the don't say gay or is that just Florida? That's Florida. 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 Okay. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we got both of those states. Yeah. Uh, I know. At least represented geographically. Here. Well, and I did read something interesting. It said that people are wondering if the next step are they going to also pull Orlando? Because I think we go back to Orlando in four years, five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, We've had a lot of Orlando uh, mm -hmm. in the last 15 years, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll see what Florida does and see if I think this was a very strong statement coming from Asha. However, it was just sent to Texas SLPs, right, Michelle? Which is, yeah, I had not opened this email yet. And then you <laughs> sent it to us, uh, a screenshot from someone, mm -hmm. I believe. And I went, wait, did I get this email? Because I am a Texas SLP licensed here. And um, I opened it and I had the, the full statement, which we can share the link to. Mm -hmm. um, Matt, because it is available online, but it was not mm -hmm. sent directly to all ASHA members. It was only sent to, I believe, ASHA members located in Texas. So mm -hmm. um, it, it's worth reading over because I was not aware, for example, that uh, in 19, let me open it. I lost the page. All 1995. Since, since 1995 that ASHA yep. had previously terminated contracts for the convention in Cincinnati, Ohio in 95 because of discriminatory LGBT legislation. And then again in Phoenix, Arizona in 2015 due to immigration legislation. So this is not the first time that ASHA has made a statement in this way. Um, I'm happy to see that they are. Uh, I will say, Matt, you did say law, so I will just clarify. I know it was several episodes ago, a month ago or so that we talked briefly about this on air, but um, my understanding reading through it with the Texas statement from the governor is that um, it's, it's not a law, it's some kind of directive, I forget what they would call ah, it. So okay. really there's no like legal bearing to it, but it's the statement that is going to cause it's a scare tactic if we're going full circle of for families and for educators and people in hospitals, um, that's going to create a lot of concern and issue. So I think that it is, is good that there is a strong statement coming from ASHA. Yeah, I, it says discriminatory legislation. I don't know the definition of, of legislation exactly. Does that mean like a bill or something is being passed and then they say directive, directive, but it's uh, licensed professionals are supposed to report parents to state authorities if their children are receiving gender affirming medical care. So it says that the directive puts risk for ASHA members working with minors in Texas in a, a bad position. Um, 
So basically compared with Ash's code of ethics that this is a problem and this is a very strong statement coming from Asha and I'm glad that they sent it to Texas SLPs first. I'm kind of shocked that it wasn't more um, public so far. Like I only saw a very small commenting on one of the Facebook pages about about this uh, topic, but I'm interested to see when Asha does post it on Facebook, does post it on their website, what the um, feedback is going to be. My brothers live in Dallas. I, I think it would be very easy for me to have Asha in Dallas that I could just, you know, stay there and it would be on the cheaper side for me. But I think this is a very strong statement and I am glad that they chose to make this decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, um, I was trying to pull up what we talked about before, but, uh, basically saying that the, that governor Abbott has asked the state's department of family and protective services to investigate certain gender affirming care for transgender children as possible child abuse. So just linking that term with it alone mm -hmm. is going to cause fear for people providers as well as families and um the article i'm just scrolling through right now because there's several um for people under 18 that sort of treatment would be things like hormones or puberty blockers it's not surgery the vast majority of the time under um under 18 for minors and um they've asked aclu i should know what that stands for in texas asked the state american court. civil liberties unit or, thank uh, you there we go I'm like, I'm, i know it's american uh, civil liberties but yeah um, in texas asked a state court to block these investigations um a lot of people are saying it's governor abbott's political move um mm -hmm. because of elections uh and uh, the texas journey attorney general even issued a statement that was essentially a new interpretation of the state law. So um, they've not been able to pass a law banning any kind of treatment for people, but um, it definitely creates, like there's no force of law that is right mm -hmm. now, but it um, there's just so many complicating factors to that. Like why, uh, just and like the Florida one. Like the thing is is that and and we don't really strive stray into politics too often um and i think that you know where our politics are if you listen to the show enough you know where we we, we fall so it's it's unique and different that we're coming out in this way which is good but like i guess what i don't understand about people in society people in our field because there are folks in our field who are a hundred percent supportive of this bill, which I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I guess where I really so get it's called the attorney general's opinion. It's not a technically oh, a legal statement. It's just it's an opinion. A, an opinion is a legal term, apparently. Right. And and what I just guess I don't understand is where we have become as a not even as a society, just as a group of professionals that we have let our personal religious beliefs or opinions impact the treatment of people who need us and are the most needy and, well, and that breaks my heart so we talked about a few episodes uh, episodes ago about brigham young mm -hmm. that their communication disorders um clinic stopped providing treatment to transgender um people coming in 
and Asha put a pretty good statement together saying that they're looking into the legality of, of that, that they were going to maybe look at taking away the Asha, um, not certification or, um, whatever it is for that school. Um, I think this is coming up across the board. It's, it's happening in, in Florida. I just got an email today coming from the department of education about, um, what treatments are allowed, not from speech, but just from treatments in general for transgender youths. Um, and I just watched my cousin Vinny. So I was like the youths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, um, um, and it, I'm looking up right now, the ASHA past ASHA convention conventions. And I think you said in 1995, it was supposed to be Cincinnati and that was canceled. It was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So in the last, since 1995, it's been in Orlando. Um, then it was in Miami in 2006. Um, it was again in Orlando in 2014. And then I met Matt and Michelle uh, 2019 uh, Orlando convention. And it's interesting because if Orlando was coming up again in the next couple of years, um, I wonder if Asha would make as strong a statement um, because we have very similar things to Texas um, legislation. I wonder if that would be happening as well. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'm just going to add to just for information purposes for anyone listening, and I'm looking at something dated March 1st about the Texas opinion from the Attorney General, uh, is that as of March 1st, Family and Protective Services in Texas stated they had received a handful of reports about transgender families that would meet the description of the, quote, Attorney General's opinion, but they have not launched any investigations of child abuse in those cases. Mm. Um, Obviously, that's not a guarantee that it would never happen. but uh, the DA office would have to bring those charges. And in the cities of Houston, Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio, which notably are controlled by Democrats, the DAs in those cities have publicly announced that they are not going to be prosecuting families with transgender patients. That's interesting. So, uh, so there's some pushback happening already. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that Asha is too, because I think it takes big statements to, um, to, to draw attention back against this as well. And that's coming from an NPR article on March. Okay. And I'm looking at um, upcoming ASHA conventions on the website. So actually the, the one that we are discussing that was canceled November 21st through 23rd, 2024 does say location to be determined. So they have changed it. And I think that email went out today, Michelle, um, okay. from, from ASHA. So that they're moving very quickly with this location to be determined. They have a upcoming ASHA conventions till 2031. You can see where they're scheduled. It's going to be in New Orleans this year and also in 2027. Um, Washington, D.C., Boston, Philadelphia, Colorado, Georgia, Los Angeles. Um, I think this is a very strong statement coming from ASHA, which... Yay. What up What's with Asha? What's up, Asha? <laughs> Congratulations. And no, it, it's good. And, and and sometimes we pick on Asha and, and we ask, what do their dollars do? And this is what their dollars do. So I'm, I'm, I am 100% okay with this. The music in the background means our show is almost over. And I found out that this is the part of the show where a lot of you guys, Rachel, Michelle, Marie, who's not here, and Michael, are worried about when I ask you, what are you doing in the next week that is not speech related? I didn't realize I was causing so much anxiety. You still have to answer the question, 
but I apologize for the anxiety that I am giving you. And the reason I always say without speech therapy is because as we talked about earlier, we are more than SLPs. So even what? if you call yourself a speech language pathologist, identity first more to you. You. <laughs> you know what though? Like I was thinking about that the whole time of the show. <laughs> when someone asks me what I do, I don't say I'm a speech therapist. What do you say? So, I say I work with children on language acquisition. I work with strokes and dementia rehab in adults. I I work as an SLP in schools and in a nursing home or home health care. Okay. But That's I do say I am a bowling coach <laughs> and I am a father. So you are a bowler. I, I mean, I've bowler. noticed sometimes I, this is me reflecting back that I'll say that title more when I've been in a move or in between employment as though I'm like holding mm, on to that as part of me <laughs> like versus, Oh yeah, I work in a school with kids with whatever I'm, I'm, I work as a speech pathologist instead. I'm like, I'm a speech pathologist. I still am. <laughs> That's fair. I only introduce myself as an SLP in meetings with families when they're like, mm -hmm. this is so-and-so the gen ed teacher, Matt, you want to introduce yourself? And I'm like, I'm Matt, the speech therapist. I feel like Bruno, with the spackle like if you guys have seen in okay i i got that analogy yes, thank you all right so anxiety issues aside and i do apologize what are you guys doing this week that is not speech related oh i can still hear you rachel oh rachel you can can't hear us can you hear mm -hmm. us they died it's okay it, that's okay rachel what are you doing this week oh nope Oh, Rachel lost her AirPods. I can hear you now. Okay. Okay, there. Okay, Rachel, what are you doing this week that is not speech related? Okay, Michelle, you go first. What are you doing this week that is not speech related? Okay. Oh, and we lost Michelle. Now this, I can hear the end of I don't the know show. what's happening. <laughs> so that question caused so much anxiety, it just derailed computer computers broke airpods went down so rachel yes anyone that is like has no idea this is a radio show and i will probably leave all this in because it makes me laugh but rachel's airpods died and then michelle's computer crashed <laughs> right in the middle of that question rachel what are you doing this week that is not speech related so my cousins are here from new york so i actually took this past monday off to go be by the beach with them um they're, they have two four-year-old twins um so i usually am chasing them around the pool so i think i'm gonna see them on friday night hanging out with family um and that's about it i'm gonna take it easy this weekend i love it um saturday probably yard work i i'm trying to replace some fence line and getting stuff taken care of in the yard and then on sunday i am leading my son's little cub scout pack or den over at the local flower and garden shop so we can learn about pollinators in the area and then cool. we are planting uh little plants into pots for mother's day fun yeah i I still enjoy doing the, the Cub Scout, Boy Scout thing. So I like getting the kids outside. So that's great. My oldest likes going with me. I'm not sure he's an outdoors person. The gotcha. middle kid is definitely chomping at the bit to go camping. So. Oh, that's yeah. adorable. Were you ever a Cub Scout, Boy Scout, Venturer, Girl Scout? No, I wasn't. I did all the sports. My, my family, I've never been camping 
Um, what? Yeah, I I went to sleepaway camp for a month, and that counts. That counts. Yeah, I Were never. Were you in a cabin? Yes. Okay, I'll count that. Okay, that's fair. I'll so... keep the camping community. Okay, no, I I wouldn't mind it. I think. Um... Oh, Michelle's coming back. <laughs> Yay! I will say that camping is you either love like i will say this that if you do not like camping you haven't been to a good place to camp and i say that because i feel like everyone's got a different level of what they enjoy camping i'm gonna and throw in there i just joined this because yes. my internet died at the perfect time when we, you we asked that halfway that. through that question um but you're saying camping but how do you define camping because and that's what i was just about to say is like for me my favorite camping is to take a backpack and a tent and go walk into the woods until i have no cell phone service and sleep i love that but camping can be as well as going out into the woods in a wi-fi air-conditioned cabin and getting away and that's why i say that for people that don't like camping you just haven't found the way you like to camp yet some people will say camping is in a, an rv i think that's a very optimistic view that you have because i feel like there there are those camping gatekeepers that's like nope camping the only way you have to be dirty you can't shower for 10 days and mm -hmm. you have to be there i think they think the rest is they mean backpacking like, yeah yeah, yeah. glamping <laughs> Yeah. Hey, glamping is fun and there is a place uh -huh. for glamping and I would there love is a to place glamp. for for backpacking. My my ideal is like long days hiking, big trails, long trail you're gone all day, mm -hmm. but then I come back and have like a comfortable spot to sleep. That sounds See? nice. Like there is but something I also like I've, I also like a couple night backpacking trips every now and then. So yeah. I love like I was saying I love backpacking, but there is something to be said about being in a cabin and sitting in the hot tub overlooking the woods i'm just saying yeah yeah like, after a long day of my adventures and then i come back to a country i don't even bed. need a long day of adventures i could just sit in the cabin all day <laughs> and then go outside in the dusk so no gatekeeping for me rachel you just haven't found all kinds of camping, camping welcome okay <laughs> what is it isn't that like rei do you guys know what rei is oh, I love a camping REI, score yes. store score yes score. Camp. What is not just camping it's all activities of any yeah. kind we believe a life outdoors is a life well lived they don't tell you what kind of outdoors you need to be okay i also so. like that they close on black friday and have for the last mm -hmm. several years that's and nice. their whole with the hashtag opt outside that's there yep. all right michelle what are you looking forward to this week Ooh, uh, i am not looking forward to the hot weather here i was gonna say that yeah, um but i am looking forward to um water like being around water there's a lot of lakes around here and in the hotter weather i like to be out near the water on our little stony beaches or out and out okay I one more that. quote when spongebob's like water <laughs> that's what i think <laughs> I thought you meant you like wanted a drink of water and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're I'm looking to forward to water. <laughs> our, intro I have music, water. our intro music today was please listen carefully by Jazar, licensed under a create of uh, an attribution and share a like license. Oops, almost got that wrong. Our bump music was County Fair Rock. 
copyrighted John Deku. Find his music over at soundcloud.com slash dirtdogmusic. The Informed SLP uh, was At the Count by Broke for Free, and Closing Music was The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. They're both licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, who I got to see last week at the Ohio Alumni Association meeting she gets for a the shout out Communication Science Disorders. I told her that. I told her we still use her quote, and she just kind of smiled in her Mrs. Wright way, and then told me that she was going to send me an extern next year. So I don't know if that was a threat or a promise, but I know it's going to happen. But in the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The oak looks strong, but it will crack under pressure. The willow with its roots running deep will bend and return to shape when the pressure is off. For fellow willows that are missing Marie and Mike and the willows that are here, Rachel, Michelle, and myself, Matt, until next week. So long, everybody. Bye. The Speech Science Podcast was brought to you by Presence Learning. Rachel, do you know anyone that is ready to future-proof their career and get their teletherapy practice up and running today? I think I know a ton of people that would be interested in that. You can with Therapy Essentials by Presence Learning. For more information and to start your free trial, visit PresenceLearning.com and click on our platform at the top of the homepage. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.